Hi everyone, you're listening to the Information Systems Wonderland podcast. A podcast about the fascinating tales and stories from the jungle and the gardens of information technology. My name is Michael Sherman and I'm your trusted travel guide down the rabbit hole and back. Welcome back to episode 4. In this episode we will turn the table. My guests are Semina and Pavel, who have recently graduated from university. So we will get a first-hand account of the necessary skills you need to bring to the table to have a thriving career in a high-tech company. Let's jump right into the interview. especially if it's a younger candidate is looking to the education and mm -hmm. education for myself at least master is not extremely important um, probably like to have a, a reasonable bachelor something that makes uh, sense and it's connected to the job that he's going to have or that he's applying for um, some good extracurricular activities and I always like to have for a CV something that stands out so when I think about that person, to know that he made something that says, stands out being, a, I know, a side project, a cool trip somewhere, uh, the fact that he speaks, I don't know, seven languages, whatever, something that makes me remember that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, university is important, not necessarily master degrees, it's like in some countries, like mostly actually in, uh, in Europe, Germany, um, France, Poland, Romania, uh, and so on. Um, like everybody is doing masters, but at least here in the US, most of the people actually have just bachelor studies and that's totally enough. So here is a bit different approach. So that's maybe learning for people from Europe that uh, bachelor is actually enough to start a career mm -hmm. for many people. And so if somebody is not really into staying two more years at the university, they could easily start career just after bachelor <clears throat> studies. But I think what is even, uh, or as important as education is also some experience that you get during education. So um, either during summer, during some internships, or uh, maybe even working part-time during um, studies. For example, when I was doing uh, my studies, uh, I was working also in a startup, uh, It was 20 hours uh, per week, so it was not uh, so it was enough to learn a lot, but it was also not too much so that I couldn't focus on my studies. Because if also somebody works full time and does studies, that might be just too much, and like uh, they wouldn't focus on studies then. But sure. if you find a good amount of studying and working, then you can actually profit from both. Mm -hmm. and, and what do you think uh, are sort of the The most important, I mean, what should an education or what should a university um, teach the, the students um, from, and I, and I mean that not what you have studied, but um, from your perspective right now, when you look back on your own um, education, what are the things that you are now actually capitalizing on and what are the things that 
you had to acquire on your own after you left the university? Um, so from my experience at the university, I really liked projects that involved some industry partners. Uh, so how it uh, in some courses worked, uh, that basically we had, uh, we also had some theoretical lectures, uh, but at the same time we were doing a practical project uh, with the industry partners. So for, for example, one of the courses was uh, iOS development. So uh, during the lecture, we had uh, we were gaining a general knowledge about the iOS development, maybe something about like how to architect a good app, for example. But at the same time, uh, the the bigger part of the course was actually to develop an app for a real industry partner that had a real need that afterwards this app could be used. For something, so I, I really like this practical experience, also with this theoretical approach. But the interesting thing of that was essentially that you're not only developing the app for I don't know some kind of hypothetical scenario, but there was an actual client who had demands, who had their own vision about the app, and they would actually like to use the app once you finished it, right? Yeah, and what was exactly, and what was interesting that it was not only um, when you work in an industry partner is not only about implementation, like hey, we need this feature and that feature, and here I see you in two months, but mo uh, many times it's actually discussing like you know what should we focus on, what is more important, what can we may maybe cut because we we have to meet our deadlines. So what is the most important feature, and even. Uh, getting feedback, are we going into good direction, what's our progress, what can we do better if, if something is not working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and to your point, I think many people focus uh, in university about, for instance, tech skills or learning a certain um, skill, whereas I think the very important are soft skills and uh, learning stuff like how to com communicate with your teammates, how to Uh, if you're in a team project that you're saying with an industry partner, how to talk with, you know, people from different disciplines or from different backgrounds or different countries. Um, so basically all these communication skills are super important and also learning how to present your ideas. I think that's one of the things that we have to do it every day in our job, whether we are uh, developers, product managers, salespeople, we basically have to sell what we are doing or to be able to express what we are really doing. And I think that's one of the things you learn in university or that we should learn. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like presentation, presentation training, even having exams. Um, honestly, I don't remember any uh, answers that I gave to exams or stuff that I learned, but probably I know much better how to phrase uh, my thinking process and what's the result and how to basically capitalize on my knowledge and really get advantage out of it. Even though the knowledge, maybe right now I don't have it anymore. Well, it's it's probably still deep hidden somewhere. In very the deep. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's that's a very interesting thing because on on one hand you're saying um, the practical experience um, that helps you to actually. Um, you're still there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, so on the one hand, you're, you're saying that the practical experience is important, but on the other hand, you're also saying, okay, 
it's it's not about experience and the technique technical parts of the education but it's also about selling um how do you i mean how do you is that does it come in a package so as soon as you're starting as soon as you have some kind of practical experience the two things go together or i think you need both and i think you also need like good technical or theoretical knowledge good practical knowledge but you also have to be able to present your knowledge so probably if you can only talk or present things well uh, it's great but it's not enough and on the other side it also if you have only experience but you cannot sell what you're doing or people cannot see what you achieve then it's only going to be left for you and yeah people are not going to know what you're doing and you know you're not going to advance your career much by that Mm-hmm. But also a good thing about such a um, <clears throat> practical project is that it's very difficult just to do one thing because, I mean, cannot imagine somebody just presenting their ideas. They actually have to do some real work. So uh, so by default, they are learning a lot of new skills. They, so firstly, uh, they probably need to define what they will be working on. So here comes maybe more soft skills. Then they need to do their actual work uh, in in case of like some technical project that would be the implementation. And finally, they would need to present it and only then the project is complete. And none of such interdisciplinary or practical problems um, can um, involve just one of these actions. Mm -hmm. So for example, you wouldn't be able just to do implementation because first, first you need to know what to actually implement or you wouldn't be just able to present your um, idea and implementation without the actual implementation. So actually, uh, these all things come together. And um, even during implementation, like you don't get in your box and implement for three months and then you get out with your product. Usually you have still to talk to people and talk to project partners, as you were saying. So probably it's more like a loop rather than just doing these three things separately. But the interesting challenge now is you have to be good at both, right? You have to be, um, if you want to be successful, you have to be uh, um, good in your technical or in, in, in whatever um, discipline-specific experience you have. But you also have to be, as you put it, um, a good salesman, right? You need, to, you need to get the crucial information to make your own job, but you also have to tell people why the stuff that you did is good and worthwhile and so on and so forth. I think here is one of the points where kind of our job description comes into pre- into place because we have different positions. And I think for my position, the presentation slash selling part is more important. Like if you imagine a T-shaped personality, I would say for me, it's more important to have really good presentation skills and to be able to talk to people and to solve problems, but I also need to have a basic technical knowledge. Uh, whereas I think for Pavel, for you, it's the other way around. Yeah, as a software developer, uh, technical skills are more important. And so I think that actually you don't need to be expert in everything. You don't have to be a great presenter and uh, great coder, but I think you should be good at least in one of mm-hmm. these. And then you should try to do your best in the other things. So, for example, for technical people, you should be good in implementing code and you should try to present your ideas. And uh, maybe it will come with experience because, you know, at first many 
people are maybe anxious or not even sure how to present, but the more they present, the better they, they will be. But if they, even if they don't want to um, go into that direction, then they still should try. And the other way around, for people who would like to focus on soft skills, they still should have uh, at least some basic technical knowledge. Mm. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is, why is that basic knowledge necessary? I mean, to, to make it more interesting, um, uh, one could argue that... Uh, let's assume you're a, one of the best programmers in the world. Um, and, but we all know that we only have a hundred percent of our capacity. So as soon as you start, um, bumping up your skills and presentation techniques and communication techniques and so on and so forth, um, you have to make a trade-off, right? I mean, do I learn the next, um, the next two uh, new modules in, I don't know, what the kind of a new programming language, or do I learn something about how to present, how to sell, how to argue? Um, on the other hand, if you are the best salesman in the world, um, you can sell, I don't know, um, sand in the Sahara. Um, if you start acquiring technical knowledge, that might be even more difficult for you, right? Because you lack the foundations and also on and so forth. How do you make this trade-off? I mean, is this a trade-off or am I missing something? So, uh, as I said, I think at least basic knowledge is something is important because even though you might be the best uh, um, coder in the world implementing, implementing uh, great products, if nobody heard about these products, then um, it doesn't really matter if you are a great coder or not because nobody is using and, and nobody even knows about what you are doing. So uh, here, at least you need to communicate it somehow so that other people uh, can hear about it. Mm -hmm. I think it's also, we kind of should define a bit what we are talking <laughs> about when we say salesman or presentation skills. Uh, because for instance, when I think about a developer, I don't think his role, unless he's doing the one-man show startup, I don't think his role is going to be to go to VCs or to go to, I don't know, to do his own marketing. Probably he's going to have some business partner that does this thing. But if he's in a multiple per, uh, person development team, he should still be able to present his ideas to others, to be able to talk about what he's doing, to sell his idea, like even stuff that, I know my algorithm is better than yours, you're kind of still selling your algorithm. Right. So I think there's these skills that make you even better in your developer career, it's helpful to know to present your stuff. I'm not saying to, you know, sell your product, right. but more to present your ideas. Um, whereas on the other side, so I work as a program manager and I work on a very technical product. So if I wouldn't have technical knowledge, I couldn't define requirements for the product. I couldn't understand what this product should do. What are the customer needs for this product? Um, what even what the developers in my team are doing, if I wouldn't understand the technical basis, I'm not saying that I have to understand all the technology and I have to understand their code, but I need to understand what are the problems, what are things that we need from partners, what is possible to do and what is just, the, I know, the moon on the sky and we cannot, we, it's not possible to do it. So yeah, salesman is kind of a different term depending on what we're thinking about. But I mean, even in the day-to-day -day life, 
we are still we have to sell ourselves no I, I i was exaggerating the problem obviously but um i, I like the i mean the, the notion of being a um a good team player or a, a a worthwhile member of a team right someone who's able it's not about selling or competing necessarily it's more about explaining why your own way is better than the way of someone else um the, the interesting question here is um how can a university actually i mean how can a university help students to acquire this knowledge as early as possible because i'm i i know um that um a lot of technologically focused people are actually struggling exactly with that issue right yeah um so as i said one example would be to have a um, practical um team project that would ideally involve, involve some industry partners um another idea would be to have Uh, for example, if somebody is studying computer science, to also include in the curriculum some interdisciplinary courses, uh, for example, about technology management, uh, maybe, maybe basis of um, design, because design is, especially these days, also very important in technology, unless it's some <clears throat> super hardcore backend stuff uh, everywhere in UI. Uh, um, any other ideas, Simina? I think teamwork is super important. And also, one thing that I like, I think in US it's very popular, is having these um, debating things where you just have to debate with a person to share ideas, to come to conclusions. Uh, in Europe, I haven't heard about them a lot, but I think in US they're doing it even from uh, school from like without even being in college before in high school and i think generally people have can better express the, their ideas um so the, the, the I, i like this idea of debating because um in, in a sense it, it reconnects to what you said earlier um where it's 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 not so much about selling but it's communicating effectively a certain argument right um, we should go into the direct in the following direction because A, B, C, and we should not go in direct in the other direction because X, Y, and Z. Um, and that's that's an interesting argument. The question is, how can you set up? Um, how can you embed such a debating feature into um, a typical university course? Um, because related to what Pavel said, it's it always has this artificial feeling, right? I mean, if, if there is no, so to speak, skin in the game, um, th those debates are, I don't know, they, they could feel a, ver a bit artificial because we are not debating things that are typically debated in such um, uh, venues, I don't know, like political things where everyone has an opinion, right? I mean, that's just kind of brainstorming at this point, but uh, one thing I can imagine is that if you have a project, let's say you have a project where you have to come up with a business plan and with a simple, I don't know, application idea, and then you can do some kind of role-playing game where part one team is the founder team or the product people, the developers, and the other team is the 
VC or the venture capitalist or some kind of angel. And of course, once one wants money and wants to convince the other that his idea is great, and the other has to, you know, think, is the idea really great? What are pros? What are cons? Would I give money to this person? So I think even such uh, kind of role-playing games with also negotiating and debating can be quite nice. Mm -hmm. But people should really go all in because if people don't believe in what they're doing, they're kind of, as you're saying, very artificial and it don't really make sense. Right. Okay. That's, that's an interesting thing. Um, also, my other idea would be to um, be involved also from university perspective in student projects, oh, yeah. because many times it is that students are given a, even if it's practical projects, for example, implement an app and you have half a year for that. Mm -hmm. So students go uh, think about the idea for like, I don't know, one week and then they start implementing. But, um, and the, mm, you know, professors are not really involved in that, but I think it would be interesting to actually on a weekly basis uh, check on the progress and maybe challenge the progress. Mm -hmm. So for example, when they are coming with, uh, up with the ideas, and they think it's the greatest idea ever, as students usually do. <laughs> usually has much more experience. Maybe this project has been done last semester, or maybe there are already tons, for example, of apps doing that. So he could provide a feedback on which the team could improve. And uh, based on that feedback, they would have natural discussions uh, that would in the end lead to uh, better results. Mm -hmm. so, That's a good point, yeah. It's interesting. Let's, let's switch sides for for a moment right right now we have talked a lot about the, the the student perspective and what we can do switch let's switch to the recruiter perspective i mean all the all the the traits the habits that you've just um just described is how do you judge a candidate whether he or she has those kind of traits Okay, so uh, first of all, we at this point, we are not really judging candidates. I think the most we are doing is that we are talking with friends, with people that we know that are thinking to apply to a, pos a similar position mm -hmm. in our company, and we can advise them, and we can talk to them, and maybe do some mock interviews. But I personally don't have really experience in recruiting. However, one of the things that I... Uh, one of the first questions I ask myself when I talk to a person is whether I would like to work with that person in the same team for multiple months, every single day in a row. <laughs> uh, so it's more about, I would say, teamwork, communication, um, and just being a good person to work with. Because especially for a starter position from college, I think what many people don't realize is that the exact precise technology you know or the last thing you have been working on can, don't have to matter. Maybe they do, uh, but I think ideally they don't even matter because you're going to do something different so you can grow more. Mm -hmm. because when you exit university, you get hired for your potential and for what you can learn and what you can do and not for what you already know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, uh, yeah, for instance, uh, technical knowledge is super important and to have a good technical foundation, uh, but whether a person can knows objective C in comparison with Swift, I don't really care. Mm. But that's, that's an interesting point. Let me, let me just, um, 
interrupt you right there because what you're saying is that it's not so much um, that the specific program languages, the specific frameworks they are working with are not so important uh, compared to a more abstract, a more long-living technical knowledge in the sense of... speak better to that because he's working as a developer, so I might mm -hmm. be a bit already okay. level as my job is well. <laughs> So I think a general knowledge and some experience in some language is important because actually what turns out that maybe, you know, languages have different syntax. Uh, they have a bit different concepts, but in the end, uh, you create an architecture in a similar way in many uh, languages. You, even though the syntax is different, you do things more or less in the same way, even though it's a different language. So I think it's an important uh, thing to have some experience in some technology doing some projects. But for example, when I joined uh, uh, my current company, uh, I had experience uh, from a previous company where we were using a lot of open source uh, technologies um, and actually very different languages uh, than at the current company. So here, uh, when joining this company, I didn't have any experience with these technologies. But since I was working with, uh, since I had experience with other technologies, I could easily ramp up. And I even saw, uh, you know, many references. Okay, in the previous language, you were doing things like that. In this language, you do it this way. But in the end, it, it's same same thing. So I think you still need to have some uh, general knowledge and some experience. But it doesn't really matter. Uh, what language it is, what technology it is, unless you are hired for a very specific position. Which uh, obviously becomes obsolete quite quickly, right? I mean, if you're hired as a Ruby XYZ employer, then as soon as the next version of Ruby comes along, you may be obsolete. But the interesting question here is, um, from your experience, what were sort of the, the critical things you, you learned at university that actually helped you to make this transition from one set of technologies to another set of technologies? Um, <clears throat> I think I learned even more when I was working during university uh, that helped me in that transition than the university itself, because the university itself was giving me a lot of theoretical knowledge that is still important and was helping me uh, to develop maybe some general uh, understanding of computer science and some kind of way of thinking how to solve some problems. But in, so at the university, uh, maybe I learned how to think. Uh, at uh, the startup that I was working during um, the university, I learned how to actually apply that knowledge uh, in practice, how to put it in practice. Uh, and a combination of both of this uh, way of thinking, a bit of theoretical knowledge, and most importantly, the practical knowledge uh, helped me in adjusting to a new environment where out of sudden uh, new technologies, new, new team, uh, and new product. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Um, the, one of the things that, that's, that's also very important is, okay, let's assume you start at a company in a more technology-oriented role. Um, and over time, as your career progresses, it's, it's not uncommon that you 
man towards a more management-oriented role. You become a project manager, you become a program manager, um, some some more management-oriented um, positions. Um, what would you think is are sort of the the most important things that you need to catch up to actually be able to be promoted to such kinds of roles? I mean, I think we should make a good distinct, uh, distinction between being a people manager. So for instance, once you've been a software engineer to transition to an engineering manager role and being a product or a project manager where you don't manage people, but you manage projects, products, or maybe teams as a way of working, but not the actual people in the team. Mm -hmm. um, or partners. Or, yeah, or partners. So I would say that, for instance, to transition from an engineering position to, a, let's say, program manager position, um, I wouldn't categorize it as a promotion. I would say it's just kind of a switch of careers somehow. Okay. Uh, whereas, yeah, from going to people manager is just, uh, I think, rather a promotion. Mm -hmm. uh, and I cannot talk much about people manager because <laughs> we are not there. Yeah, we are not there yet. So we don't have much experience in that personally. But I guess we have enough experience from uh, observing uh, other managers, you know, what they have, what maybe we still don't have, what could we work on or... Maybe even as a manager, what do you focus on? So, for example, right now as individual contributors, um, we uh, we actually don't have to work with other people that much, or it's mostly about our project. Um, but when you become a manager, you actually need to care also about your team. Uh, like out of sudden you manage, for example, a team of 10 people. Um, and, it, and it's not that easy. It's not just, hey, here's the project that we have to do, uh, go for it. But actually, like each person is different. Uh, so at least in, in our current company, a manager actually has a meeting with uh, each person from a team or, or, or weekly or uh, uh, twice per month just to discuss uh, different things because each person might, you know, not even feeling comfortable in a project or not feeling comfortable working with other people or having some problems or maybe actually the manager. So important role of a manager is also to encourage a person to, to do more, uh, maybe uh, find some other solutions if they are stuck, thinking outside of the box or just to motivate uh, to advance the career of such an individual contributor. Yeah, I think a people manager is more about making um, the people that are reporting to him to make them successful. Uh, whereas, for instance, a product or a program manager is sure working with the whole team, but to make a product successful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a kind of a distinction. Yeah, and ideally, uh, a manager is kind of a mentor who can give you a good advice because usually manager has more experience. Uh, and also, ideally, it's a leader that knows where the uh, either feature or product should go and where the team or what the team should be focusing on mm -hmm. and how to motivate that team. 
but I mean, still, as a even if you're a people manager, you still need to have some kind of the, the basic technology knowledge to be actually able to relate to understand the problems that the people have. Is yeah, right. But you are usually also becoming a manager uh, after you were individual contributor. Uh, like you cannot be. I think it's difficult to become manager if you don't have previous experience as just for example developer mm-hmm. um, so you you know when you become manager you by default have the experience technical experience mm. so that that relates me to the that brings me to the question what would you wish that um, people and other or students and other disciplines marketing finance all the other functions of an organization what would you wish that they would understand about the technology part of a company? So uh, what was also interesting during our studies, we were, um, so we mainly were studying or our first, um, or our major was computer science, but we were also doing additional uh, programming technology management where we were working on interdisciplinary projects uh, in teams of, for example, five people uh, with uh, students from different backgrounds. So, for example, from marketing that you just mentioned or from business. Um, So, uh, and that taught us a lot because, for example, I was coming from technology perspective and uh, I never really focused on business and even didn't know, uh, you know, how to do business model. But since we worked together on one project, which was to develop end-to-end solution or a product for customers. We had to collaborate together. And by, uh, by this collaboration, we were learning from uh, each other. So I could learn about marketing. I could learn about business. Um, so I think it, in general, it's also interesting if marketing people could work with technical people because many times they have different opinions, but it doesn't mean that only one is correct like marketing people many times uh, have just different opinion that is as correct as the opinion of technical people and the other way around so by working together i think they uh, both professions can profit from each mm-hmm. other so again you're arguing for um hey bring bring them all together let's Let's run them a project. Let's even run them a project into the ground. And that's how they learn the best. Yes, uh, I think so. But it also doesn't mean that, you know, a, pers- a marketing person has to do a technical work. They just need to do some uh, collaboration. So mm-hmm. that you learn may- maybe just basics of marketing by talking about marketing. And you don't, as a coder, you don't have to do the actual marketing or right. campaign. Just you know, do some brainstorming uh, and then the the implementation of marketing campaign will do a marketing person, implementation of business model will do a business guy and you will do implementation of the technical part. I mean, it depends also on the team size a lot because if you have too many cooks in the kitchen, you're never going to get to a good conclusion. Mm -hmm. So sure, if you're in a smaller startup or a smaller company, you can... Yeah. really mix all these people and everybody can know everybody and people can give presentations on what they're working on. But as soon as the company size grows or even the product size grows, so you get to 
you know, work on a product of 100 people with maybe five marketing people, two finance, two lawyers, and so on, it's already very difficult to mix um, to mix the inter the disciplines and to have them working together. Uh, so I think that's at least in my role, I'm kind of at this because I'm a program manager, so I'm kind of at the line between disciplines. So I, I work a lot with technical people, but then like once a week I have to talk to our lawyer to make sure that what the technical people are doing is fine. And I have to talk with for privacy and uh, marketing and all the finance people and so on. So, um, But that's an interesting, what, what's the, what's the one or the two things that you needed to catch up on when you started that position? So, you know what I mean? So you, you started your job um, and you realized, hey, these are the things that I've never done before and I wish I would have had more experience in doing them. Um, so I think it, de it depends on a really job-by-job -job basis. So for instance, when I finished uh, my master's, I started in a team where I was really lacking uh finance knowledge although it was not necessarily my job i really need to know to do basically uh finance for the service that my team was responsible for and to understand what are the costs and to understand uh what are the three years projections and how to estimate how many people are going to use our service and so on which was something that i never did in in college but then one and a half years later i changed my teams And although now I knew how to do all this finance stuff, I never had to use it again. <laughs> so my job title is the same and I'm in the same company and my job description is officially the same. It just depends. Or another example is in my current team, I have to work a lot with designers and to do a lot of mock-ups and uh, the low fidelity UX for our product that designers would improve later. And I had some experience from college, but not a lot. Whereas in my previous team, where I was working on a service, uh, I never had to do any design, basically. So I think it's hard to say what I wish I knew better. Um, I think, yeah, generally just for very important are presentation skills. And I'm not only talking about giving presentations or making PowerPoints, but actually being able to communicate and clearly communicate what you mean and to make sure that people understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So in the end, the bottom line is that it's important uh, to be also flexible uh, with what skills you have and also uh, flexible about learning new skills because of mm -hmm. course you cannot just know everything uh, after college or even after 20 years of uh, industry experience. But I think that's the idea, that you should be learning, uh, ideally today, uh, something new. Yeah. I mean, personally, if I would work for a few years and then I would say that, oh, yeah, I know everything what I need to do every day, I already know how to do it, and I just go to work, I do it, and then I go home, I think it would be extremely boring. And it would be really like a, an alarm, uh, you know, that... I have to change something about my current job. And if I'm not learning new stuff, it's time to move on. Yeah. That's, uh, that's an awesome finish for this interview, I think. Um, just saying, okay, stay flexible. In a sense, stay hungry. Mm -hmm. Try to learn new things. 
And if you translate this into what should an university do is then we should actually equip the students um, to relearn things quickly, to be interested in new things, right? So this, we should actually incur this hunger for new things and new stuff. And I think one of the most important things I learned from my bachelor, I've done a very technical bachelor, but one of the most thing, important things I learned is that basically nothing is impossible. That in the beginning, I'm going to get a homework or a project that I will have no idea what it means. And I will literally start searching on the internet what even what the description means. And in the end, in a few months or in a few weeks, it's going to be there somehow. Like the homework will be done somehow. The project will be out somehow and it's done. And you really learn, you learn new things, but you also gain trust in yourself. And yeah, basically nothing is impossible and you can just learn everything on the go. But you have to put the effort in, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that we all have. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, my last question would be, um, is there anything that we haven't touched in this conversation? Is there something that's, that's on your heart that you still want to put out? Uh, I think my biggest learning from especially master's studies is that um, what helped me a lot is uh, not only to learn about uh, you know engineering and coding, but also to gain this interdisciplinary knowledge. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, at, at least, that's the most important thing that if you are studying even something as technical as computer science, you, should, you still should try to get some basic knowledge in, mm -hmm. um, in other areas like business or marketing that we were talking about. Awesome. Um, and one thing that we are, we didn't really talk about is uh, stuff outside university or outside work. Uh, for me, it was extremely important to do some, for instance, I was playing a team sport during my whole uh, high school and college, uh, which taught me a lot of things. Or I was part of an organization where we would do side activities or to do side projects or meetups or like whatever you do out of your nine to five job or like, you know, going to university and then going to your side job or to your internship or whatever really matters after. And not only in your CV, but more in like your relationship with people, the way that you think about those things, uh, your network that you're going to have it. Like you build a good network in university and uh, you're going to have it for the next years and maybe your next life <laughs> uh, or your whole life. So I think what you're doing outside of studies and outside of work is also super important. Mm. But that's interesting. It, it interestingly ties back to this, what you said earlier is stay open, uh, try to learn new things. And those side projects, as you call them, they open your eyes on topics beyond your, your current focus, your current field of study, right? Yeah, I think so. And you get to know people with different opinions, different mindset, uh, just different way of thinking. Maybe you study computer science and you're interested, I don't know, in fashion. And then 10 years later, you're working on wearables, mm -hmm. which are super cool. So, you know, you never know where the rabbit, jam where rabbit jumps from. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just better to do more stuff and to have fun and just explore as much stuff as possible because I think the university is really the right time to do all these things because later, like, when we have jobs or 
companies that require our full-time attention and probably families and so on, it's much more difficult to explore all these things that we are curious on. What a great end. <laughs> Nothing to add. Thank you very much, guys. Thank it was you. fun. Yeah. I think we never talked about these things, so <laughs> it was really... I didn't even know that you felt such stuff, Paolo, so... <laughs> now you know. Yeah. <laughs>